Welcome to the 31st edition of Everything EOS, Woo. coming to you on October 31st in celebration of Hallow EOS. I'm Zach Gall, our in-house EOS. Whoa, 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 whoa. Today's Hallow EOS? Well, I mean, it's it's Tuesday. Halloween's I, I tomorrow. I thought Halloween was tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, but you know it takes me time to edit this and do post-production. Like, it, this is going to come out on but Halloween. It, it, uh, hold on. What are you doing? Um, I'll be right back. Thank goodness for the Shios 21 teleportation protocol. Got my costume. What the heck, Rob? Where'd you go? Oh. Where'd, where'd you come from? Oh, I'll explain later. I need to go find something else. So, no, what about me? You get to make a grand entrance? Oh, uh, you know. I'll be right back. What? I am Ethereum, king of smart contracts! Sidechains, plasma, scalability, no one can challenge me! Ooh, yeah! Let me introduce to you at this time, Macho Man, Randy Savage! I have never you seen. Saw, you were the only one that can make a grand entrance. Oh, I've never you seen. You want a Slim Jim? A little too scary for me. Whoa! Whoa! Do a slim Jim. Whoa! That snap is a little too intense. Oh. I've never seen somebody body slam off. someone like that, especially Ethereum. Wow! Come on, man! It's Halloween. Let, let's let's get to this here. Let's get to this episode. You fools! Whoa. You have dumped my bag of shit coins in the toilet. It's a bear market, man. Chill out. I am Dr. Bittgenstein, and I have the plan to bring the markets back from the dead. No, seriously. Let's do an episode about it. Universal Basic Income and Universal Resource Inheritance Special Edition coming out next week on Bittgenstein's Table and Everything EOS. All right, then. <laughs> All right, man. Enough games. It's it's time to get serious now. Whew, I guess so. Can we get serious? Let's get the stash off. Yeah, let me, uh, hold on. Hold on. All right. Oh, let me just put that here. Whew, it feels nice to, to breathe air again. That portal was pretty crazy, but Chios has done a great job in, in designing it, so a lot of people should be coming Ethereum to Eos. Whew. All right, so should we, uh, you know, just kick it off from the top then, huh? I guess so. All right.
Welcome to the 31st edition of Everything EOS, coming to you on October 31st in celebration of Hallo EOS. I'm Zach Gall, our in-house EOS macho man and meme champion. <laughs> and I'm here today with the founder of Cypherglass and EOS IO astronaut, Woo! Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for this special fun edition of Hallo EOS here on the Everything EOS podcast. If you're just listening to this one, I highly encourage you to go over to YouTube and watch it. We got some awesome skits involved. You can see our beautiful costumes. I'm decked out in this full-on astronaut gear. And we have the one, the only... The meme champ. There he is, the meme champ, macho man, Randy Savage. Got his EOS gear going, looking pretty good. Anyway, if you've been watching this before, we sincerely appreciate all the feedback and comments that we get about the show. We cannot wait to read what you have to say about this episode. <laughs> it should be a fun one. Oh, my God. But uh, if you enjoyed it, please let us know by liking, following, or subscribing to the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you may be listening. I'm just going to skip the reminder, guys. Just engage the post. Please like and share if you like it. And before we Woo. get started, before we get out this piping hot, this smoking hot, <laughs> fresh hot. off the presses... Everything EOS uh, episode. I do have to remind you that Zach Goal and I, Zach Goal, wow, Macho Man Randy Savage and I yes. both hold EOS tokens as a matter of disclosure, but please don't take any of the opinions we express throughout this episode as legal, financial, tax, or professional advice. Uh, we're not giving out advice here. We're just talking about open source software that we love. Not financial advice, but I do love Slim Jim. There it is. So kicking it off this week, of course, with our very special Halloween episode, we have to give a shout out to all of the amazing pumpkin submissions that we've oh my seen. God. It's been crazy. I, I think I saw the creepiest one of my life, but it was also the most awesome thing and uh, yeah, cool let's, thing I've ever let's seen. Let's put that one up on the screen right now for the people that are watching. Oh <laughs> uh, I'm uh, pretty proud that we're now uh, memes on this person's pumpkin. Well, why would anyone think we're memes, man? I know. It's I, not I like... Don't, I don't get it. How could they... How could they come up with this? But we have some amazing submissions. If you go over and search Halloweos, H-A-L-L-O-W-E-O-S, on Twitter, you can see them all. We have EOS right here, smoking Ethereum. Literally, smoking Ethereum was pretty what? clever. SVK Crypto put out one of their awesome submissions this morning. Uh, we have, of course, our faces on the pumpkin. We have the Grim Reaper of EOS. So many new pumpkin submissions. So if you're out there, you submitted one of these Halloweos pumpkins. Thank you so much for participating, and best of luck as we pick the winners here coming up on November 1st. All right, so let's... Let's jump into the hackathon news. So as a reminder, if you haven't gotten enough reminders yet, yep. uh, next weekend, October, or October, November 10th, 11th, and 12th, we've got the EOS Global Hackathon and the Scaling Blockchain Conference coming up in San Francisco. Rob and I will both be there. Dr. Bitkenstein, who made a little appearance, he'll be there also on my hackathon team. Um, it, I had a lot of people reach out because uh, last week, I think I mentioned that there's going to be a bunch of events going on around yeah. the hackathon and the scaling blockchain. So uh, Lumios, I can't even read my screen. Uh, Lumios <laughs> uh, put a cool graphic out with some different events. So on uh, November 9th, there's going to be an EOS happy hour at uh, the Tabletop House. And then uh, after the hackathon on November 11th, there's going to be an after party. Uh, after the scaling blockchain conference, there's a couple of different things. I know uh, Lumios has their Lumios happy hour up here, but I'm I'm pretty sure the scaling blockchain conference also has uh, like an evening event or a happy hour type thing. Nice. 
Uh, but the event I'm most excited about, and I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it or not just because of my flight, is uh, speaking of Shios and EOS 21. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be doing an EOS smart contract workshop oh, awesome. uh, in an intro to EOS uh, EOS 21 protocol. Yeah, so that was the little, you know, that portal I used earlier was the EOS 21 portal that will allow developers to super easily port Ethereum tokens over to EOS. We saw that in action. So pretty cool that now they're going out there and educating developers on how to actually port. So the other thing going on is, I guess, if this is coming out Wednesday on Halloween, tonight uh, the webinar is actually uh, coming out for the hackathon. Yeah. Uh, they're going to go over the hackathon schedule. They're going to go over the prizes, the judging criteria, an overview of the challenges, and then a deep dive into the provided technology, submission rules, uh, and it's just an opportunity to ask questions. So if anyone's participating, you probably got the email reminders about this. Yep. Um, but we're, we're both real excited. Uh, Rob's going to be a mentor at the hackathon. I'm yeah. going to be uh, hacking on a team with BitConsign and some other people. I'm so excited. It's going to be a, a great event, whether you're going there just to check it out, whether you're hacking, whether you're a mentor like me. Whatever you're doing at the hackathon, if you're there, it's going to be a treat. Dan Larimer is going to be there. Some amazing people from Oof. the EO space are going to be there, including some other people from Block One, oh. like Rob Jasutizen. Jasutizen. Anyway, uh, should have a pretty all-star team there doing the judging, um, and we should see some pretty cool projects emerge. Yeah, so I was looking at the judges uh, when putting the script together for today. And yeah. So we know who Dan Larimer is. Uh, Rob, <laughs> you say I'm that even, so casually. I'm, I'm not going to even try to say Rob's last name, but he's the uh, president of Block One. I can't even read my screen with these glasses. That's all right. All right. So then the other people are uh, Brad Steven. He is uh, part of Blockchain Capital. So if you've never heard of Blockchain Capital, they're a really big VC fund. I think they're located in San Francisco. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't have that in my notes. But they are investors in Coinbase, Kraken, Blockstream, ZRX, Ripple, Block One. So like all of the major players in oh, the yeah. space, that they've got their hand in. Yeah, Blockchain Capital has several different funds, I believe, that are all obviously focused on the blockchain, some at you know different sectors than others, but pretty interesting group of people with uh, some pretty powerful minds. Uh, there's also Philip Rosedale. You want to kind of talk about his background a little bit? Yeah, so Philip Rosedale is the founder and CEO at High Fidelity. Now, if you watch one of the most recent episodes where I sort of talked about my experience within High Fidelity, um, then you should know what we're talking about. But if you don't, it's basically a virtual reality world built on top of the EOS blockchain. Now, right now it's built on the EOS testnet, but you can actually go and check it out at highfidelity.com, um, H-I-G-H for high, but it's uh, pretty awesome. And, you know, it leads me into some pretty interesting theories about what we might see as the hackathon challenge. I think so. We'll get into that in a minute. I yeah, gotta, I got to uh, absolutely a little bit more tidbits. So if, if you're not familiar with Second Life, it was a major game for a really long time. I was never personally into it. I have read about it in the news. But at one point, they were doing $700 million in a virtual economy yep. as far as e economic power. That, that, that's insane. $700 million every year. In revenues, yeah. In a digital world where nothing yeah. really exists. Well, and Second Life was very popular for sort of having this first real-world in-game economy. So even though the Linden dollar, which is from the company Linden that made Second Life, was, was centralized and had a fixed price that the company sort of set, um, and they controlled when the price went up or down, it was really one of the first games to ever have real currency within it that had a real value. So it was famous for, you know, the person who set up a bunch of virtual strip clubs in the game and a bunch of virtual businesses. I read that, uh, there was like casinos within the virtual world and wow. they actually got shut down by real world governments for really? illegal gambling. It was in a virtual <laughs> world. That's so great. But anyway. Uh, the other big thing I read there, at one point there yeah. were one million active users. Wow. So we talk about like mainstream adoption. So Philip Rosedale, he he is the CEO of High Fidelity. They are completely funded right now. They're prepared to and currently working on EOSIO. They're building 
a new virtual reality platform on top of EOSIO. So Philip Rosedale is the real deal. He's done this before. He made He's second had life. mass adoption. Yep. And I found this really cool quote from um, a Forbes article from 2017 that I'll read to you guys. He said, if blockchain were around when we started Second Life, we would have built everything around it. And indeed, it is some of the work we're undertaking now with high fidelity. I think that blockchain is super important for money, for digital assets, and most importantly, for identity. Not just in the virtual world, but in the real world. Oh, yeah. Now, this is pretty exciting to yeah. see somebody move from Second Life. You know, when I was involved and, and got really interested in the Decentraland project, which was built on Ethereum, unfortunately, their virtual world never launched. Um, but you can go and sort of trade, you know, placeholder tokens that represent the, the actual land. But throughout that whole process, I learned so much about Second Life and about the problems that they had due to centralization, one of which was what the community sort of called Acts of Linden. And through an Act of Linden, they would come in, they would make some change to the code. Maybe they would take somebody's virtual property that had real value, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that change would cause people to lose just insane amounts of money. Um, so those got deemed kind of Acts of Linden. Sounds and, like theft. Yeah, basically. I mean, they came in, they make a change, you know, something happens. But in a world like high fidelity where it's totally decentralized somebody can't just come in and tweak the rules and steal your property from you because it's all on a blockchain that you control so it should be super exciting to see what they build over there but it's been kind of fun to dabble around in now with the beta version so being that we're both going to the hackathon and i'll be participating it we've had uh conversationals uh, offline about predictions of yeah. what we think the theme is going to be for this hackathon so if we walk through the last three hackathons uh, the day of the hackathon, a, a theme is announced, and basically that's what the projects are, are built around. And the reason they don't give the theme away in advance is because it's a hackathon. They don't want teams doing a bunch of code and work on, on their own before the hackathon exactly. and then showing up with a finished product that they're going to submit as if they just right. built it over a weekend. So they, they don't uh, show their cards uh, too early for the hackathons. But anyway, at the Hong Kong one, the theme was identify a centralized business model and create a decentralized alternative that is built for large-scale mainstream adoption. The second one was in Australia, and that theme was create a dApp on the EOSIO platform that empowers the public to play a role in sustaining natural environments for the future. The most recent one in London, which was the largest hackathon ever, I believe, over 550 participants. Oh, yeah. Uh, their theme was create an application on EOSIO that improves the relationship between technology and a user's privacy and security. So basically, to, to break those down, Hong Kong, we had mainstream adoption. Australia, we had social sustainable impact social impact. Um, and and then London. privacy and security. Yeah. So we, we talk about blockchain every week, every day. And we, we like kind of hypothesize and speculate of where are we going to see the mainstream adoption happen first. Yeah. And I, I think we, we're, we've come to agree, an agreement on that. And we actually think that that's going to be the theme of the contest because it hasn't been done yet. Absolutely. You want to jump into it and tell yeah. the secrets? So I think as we've seen in kind of the rise of EOS dApps that have all been gaming dApps, it, it really seems like EOS is the platform that's so well suited to gaming. And, you know, having somebody from, you know, obviously Second Life, but now that the founder and CEO of High Fidelity being one of the judges tells me that, hey, you know, maybe the theme is to build a game on top of EOS, which sounds pretty cool. And just being in Silicon, basically Silicon Valley, uh, San Francisco, there's a lot of game developers in those cities. Oh, yeah. So we talk about how to, to grow this platform or any blockchain platform. You've got to bring in developers from outside of the ecosystem. Absolutely. So blo blockchain's been a buzzword now for a couple of years, and there's a lot of people who are, who are interested in it, but they haven't like gotten their hands dirty in it yet. Yeah. And, and a hackathon's a great opportunity to do that. 
So I'm assuming that we're going to see a lot of people from all of the gaming dev shops in San Fran here. So there's going to be loads of experience uh, of, of gaming development. I'm super game excited. Theory. Well, and if we think also, I mean, that, that awesome tutorial that Block One released that yes. we put out a video about on the Cypherglass YouTube channel. We talked about it here last week. Elemental Battles, which is that card game built on EOS that also acts as a developer tutorial to teach developers how to build it who have never built on a blockchain before. I think they're going to kind of use that as their spearhead tool for this event and say, hey, use Elemental Battles, learn how it works, and go out and make your own game over the next 36 hours. So I can't wait. I'm so excited. I mean, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think there's so many potentials in, in online gaming yeah. and, and the, the need for blockchain. I mean, And you texted me a pretty interesting idea. You want to explain that? So for as a little bit of uh, context, I'm a huge World of Warcraft player. I've sunk hundreds and hundreds of real days of playtime, probably four or 500 hours into it over the last 13 or 14 years. But I'm big into that, but there are definitely problems with you know having a centralized entity make real changes to the game world, much like Linden did with Second Life. But, so, so go ahead. Let, let's walk through an example. Rob, how many times have you like been really into Warcraft and you're, you're, you're killing it, you got your character exactly how you want it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you download a game patch and your guy got completely nerfed. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, Get and nerfed, everyone, my spells do less damage. It's, yeah, it's bad. So uh, this, this type of stuff happens on every gaming platform essentially, especially the World of Warcraft type, type of games where patches will come out and sometimes they're patches that uh, the majority of the community support, but a lot of times it, it, it's, uh, a conflict that there's some people that want the patch and some people that don't want the patch. Right. So I, I've been thinking about gaming ever since Rob and I basically came up with the idea that we think this is going to be a gaming hackathon. I've just been thinking of game, the gaming industry and like what applications could blockchain have that people aren't talking about yet. And one of the ones I was thinking was gaming patches. So yeah. using a governance model to vote on a gaming patch. So if you had a decentralized platform like high fidelity, for instance, and a patch was submitted by either a decentralized group of developers or if they have like a core group at first until it becomes more centralized. If they wanted to patch the software and, and we had a blockchain system to, to, with a decentralized identity and a voting solution, you would actually be able to take it up to vote on whether or not the players who, who, are, who are the most interested stakeholders in this entire ecosystem, yeah. they're the ones putting in their time and sweat into these games. Imagine if you could have a consensus vote, maybe have two competing patches, three competing patches, and then the community decides how the game's going to expand. Absolutely. I mean, that would be, from the perspective of a World of Warcraft player, somebody that's played tons and tons of different MMOs, massively multiplayer online, role-playing games, MMORPG, that's sort of the genre. I can see how this would be a major hit because there are so many times where a patch comes out, maybe 80% of it is good and people like it. It's new features. It's a new zone to explore. But then 20% of it is bad and the player base goes, wait a minute, you know, sort of unanimously, why did you make that change? Why in the world would you remove that feature or add that thing? And this, I think, would be a way to, you know, for people like Blizzard Entertainment who make World of Warcraft, it's a way for them to keep their subscriber numbers up because, you know, then the player base feels like they're listening to them and they're their uh, efforts in the game maybe get them more votes, you know, on the next patch that's coming out. So, so there's some really cool models for you any can build. voting system to work. So so there's a lot of things that blockchain can do without a decentralized identity in a virtual world, right? As far as ownership of assets and things like that. But for a governance system to work, and this is in real life and in a virtual world, you need that decentralized identity because w without it. Uh, there's no way of preventing Rob from voting, creating a new account, voting again, creating a new account, yep. voting again. So how do you, in, in a virtual gaming world, I, I tried to think to myself, how could you prove that you are a unique individual without using a government ID? Mm -hmm. And I, I obviously read a lot about uh, what, what Dan suggests and talks about in Telegram. 
And at one point, he made this suggestion of decentralized identity. He said, proof of life. I don't, I don't really remember the context of it, but how do you prove that you're alive? And in a gaming world, such as World of Warcraft, you, you have XP. Want to explain what XP is? Yeah, so XP is experience points. It's basically you know points that you collect by killing things or completing quests to go out and level up and become more powerful. So it, it, it takes a really long time to get to the top tier levels. So I, I think at first the levels are easier, and then yeah. as you level up, they get harder and harder. Right. And then to also reach these other levels, you have to complete certain tasks. And in World of Warcraft, some of these tasks are social. you got to coordinate with other people. Right. So you've got to get in groups of 10, 20. Sometimes in the olden days, it was 40 people. You had to get all together to go fight and a raid You're boss. basically proving that you're not a bot in those situations because a bot can't socialize or understand how to like coordinate an attack. Right. So imagine if we had a governance mechanism or a voting mechanism on a virtual game like this where the votes were weighted by XP levels and that would allow the elders or the most experienced gamers on the yeah. platform, the players who have played the most hours, who are the most committed to the platform, they actually have more weight with, with how they make decisions than the rest of the game. And then if there was like a, a, their own, imagine like a worker proposal fund within the game itself. Mm-hmm. So you have all these developers, maybe they're, they're 3D artists and they can make castles or cool houses or a casino wow. or something really cool. And there could be a worker proposal system in this virtual world where someone proposes, hey guys, I, I, I want to build the coolest island. It's going to be like Hawaii, but on steroids. And I want to build oh, it in this virtual so world, cool. but I need funding because it's going to take me 200 hours to, to design it yeah. and build it. Please fund me. Yeah. And if we have this in-game economy, and a decentralized way of voting with, with an identity solution that should work. I mean, you could mm-hmm. always create a second identity in this situation, but it's going to take you a really long time. So using that system, you could like expand the game w- in a decentralized way. And also if the economy allows, just like with EOS, how there's an inflation mechanism where they could use a tax, it's whatever w- the game would decide, yeah. that money could be in a fund to... F- uh, to further development. I love that. I mean, and since the the virtual currency in World of Warcraft technically has a real world value, they allow you to sort of buy it from other players, but you can't actually sell it. Um, you can sort of convert it into Blizzard yeah. dollars and buy other. So th- there, there's a lot of background behind this gaming industry and the team behind Block One. You want to kind of talk about Brendan Bloomer, the CEO, yeah. and then Brock Pierce, the former uh, partner of Block One? Yeah, so Brendan Ali. Bloomer uh, in particular has a, a pretty deep history with World of Warcraft also on, you know, sort of before Blizzard came in and started allowing players to sell gold to each other and sort of being that middleman. There were massive markets where people were, you know, going out in hordes, getting huge groups of people, farming tons of this in-game gold currency, and then basically going and selling it to people and making tons of money. And Brendan Bloomer, the now CEO of Block One, actually ran, I think it was ING was the name of it, um, something something along those lines, I could have that name wrong, but he ran what was what eventually became the largest gold farming and selling and item farming and selling website uh, in the world, eventually sold it, and at one point had 400,000 people. 400,000 people in Asia. That's more people than Apple and Google and all these places combined, all mining gold in all of these different video games. So he goes way back. That's how he got his initial money that he then put into, um, I think, a real estate company or something. But I think he still runs the company. I think he's still... One of the, he's still part of that company. Still owns even, it or something. Interesting. One. It's in Hong Kong. But anyway, Brendan has a, a pretty deep ties to gaming, and uh, Brock does as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I I'll just uh, say that I'll pull a video clip up because I'm not ready to talk about it now. But when I'm editing this, I'll, I'll put something in here. Good. Awesome. You know that uh, you were the market maker for was it World of Warcraft? Uh, almost all the games. I all was the, I was the main market maker for the 
digital economies in video games the world over. So if you have ever bought gold online, characters online, uh, weapons, and anything that is online gaming and MMO, uh, you probably got it from Brock and his team. Or some connection to <laughs> some what connection. we did, yes. But I, I have some personal experiences with in-game currencies as well. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with like uh, the World of Warcraft stuff, basically they were mining gold and then they would have a website or something off off chain out of the game i should say right where people would transact i would send rob uh i would send rob like ten dollars of paypal and then he'd promise that he's going to meet me somewhere in the game in, in this virtual world exactly. and he's going to exchange this gold to me i don't know rob i don't trust rob how do i know rob is going to give me that gold right so that kind of ties into my story you don't so i i don't play uh rpg games myself or any game like that i'm, I'm really into sports games so mm -hmm. like madden is the game that i spend the most of my time playing and they have this uh, game within the game called Madden Ultimate Team where it's like a trading card game where you collect different players' cards and they That's have different cool. attributes. And you kind of like level up throughout the season. You complete all these goals. And you, you basically build up your roster by buying new trading cards. And they get better throughout the season. And mm -hmm. you buy them with this virtual gold that you get for winning games and stuff. Hmm. But I have more... I don't, I don't know, a lot of money, but I've got more money than time in most cases because I'm a very busy person. <laughs> right. So I would personally rather pay money to someone for their hard work that they did playing the game to earn this gold. And there's a whole second market for it on Reddit. Mm -hmm. So I went on this Reddit. This is like two years ago. I went on Reddit and I, <laughs> I, I linked up with some guy. We came up to, with a price. I was going to buy like 100,000 of these coins from him uh -huh. so I could buy like the latest Barry Sanders card or something crazy. So I send them my PayPal, and then he just kind of disappears off the face of the earth. I'm waiting in the game. He tells me he's going to sell me a card that is usually valued for... Uh, I, he told me to post a card for sale for that's usually for 100 coins, and he said he was going to buy it for 100,000 coins, like way overpriced. That's how the deal was going to work. Oh, interesting. I, I seriously spent like six hours like messaging this guy saying, hey, what's going on? <laughs> And it happened because there wasn't a market to, to handle this. Like, yeah. This is something that could be done very easily in a smart contract oh, yeah. without an escrow service. We're basically, we, we agree to our terms. We write it into a, a smart contract. I send my, my money, my, my cash or my EOS or my US tether. I would send it to the smart contract. And then he would send me the, send the tokens to the smart contract. And the smart contract would send me my tokens and send right. him the money. Yeah. So I, I personally have a story where I got scammed. Oh, absolutely. It's a scam. Yeah, I guess don't uh, buy Madden coins on Reddit. That's the lesson no, you there. Should. I, I ended up, I, I was so butthurt about it, but I ended up buying coins off someone else. Oh, uh, really? You still <laughs> yeah. went back and did it? Oh, wow. Yeah, man, I only lost like 20 bucks. Okay. It was good. It, it was worth it, man. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, but I, it's I wasted more hours of my life after that. Right. I'm sure over the next like couple of years, as more, more and more people realize the benefits of tokenizing their game in some way, we've seen you know a lot of these gambling platforms on ES are doing really well by having that token model, and it's sort of a, a viral way to get more people in the ecosystem playing and then referring other people people once other people who are you know doing these incredibly social games like mmos and these massive massive world games mm -hmm. i can see a rush of blockchain games coming to the blockchain uh, and particularly the eos blockchain where soon you know we may have not just high fidelity hosted here but we could have all these other virtual worlds with their own virtual economies running on eos there were rumors a few months ago and Obviously, rumors are rumors. Right. I have no idea. How I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Some guy, I don't remember who it was. He, I, I saw it on Somebody Twitter on Reddit. and on Reddit. Yeah. Where he said he knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who said that there there's multiple game studios building Blizzard-like ecosystems on EOS. Yeah. Do, do you remember that? Yeah. He said there were Blizzard-quality games coming to EOS in the next six months, which 
For those who don't know what Blizzard is. Blizzard is the, the company behind World of Warcraft, but they're known for making really high-quality polished games that take them years and years to build. I don't know if, unless they were building these games before and only over the last six months have started to implement EOS and that tokenization, then I think it's possible. But if they just started building, they're not going to get it done in that six-month period. So, but I, mean, I, don't, I don't really think you'd have to build a game from scratch to put it on a blockchain. Like, you could true. use the blockchain just to handle, like, the transfer of assets. Yeah, like, just the just, currency. Just be, like, a piece of the game. It's kind of how it is for high fidelity, where you go into the game, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the game is running on their own servers. Mm -hmm. But when it actually comes to, in the future, it'll be land ownership. You can have that on the blockchain. Um, but all the digital items, you have your own digital wallet within the game, all of that's on the blockchain. So sort of the, the crucial parts are on the blockchain. I'm probably going to play my first uh, virtual world game as soon as uh, I still haven't played High Fidelity, even after yeah. you kind of told me about it. I have watched a, a YouTube video on it, though. It's insane. Okay. Like, they have a weekly or monthly like town hall meeting where yeah. like, hundreds of players oh, show up. And they it's kind of like a governance. It's like yeah. a town hall meeting. Everyone talks about all the issues going on in and the I game. Think and this, I'm pretty sure this CEO it plays it plays a role in it like he'll, yeah. he'll stand up in front of the virtual world in front of a virtual powerpoint screen and yeah. he'll give a presentation to a virtual audience it's funny you mentioned that i watched him give this presentation it's it was more of him just engaging with people saying hey what bugs are you running into you know we can fix that we can add that feature until he had to go but the to tell a story about that town hall that i thought was kind of funny i'll see if i can find the video clip on youtube and we'll, we'll get it up here but imagine you know i see town hall i'm like okay you know probably a bunch of people in a room similar to the last one i saw which was like a costume contest in this big auditorium but this time a bunch of different people they're sort of in line waiting to talk and I, I remember I joined the stream and this person who looked like, I don't know, a fox or something with these crazy ears and this big tail, who was animating like a human because they have full body tracking in VR, is up here asking about some new feature to be added in the game. And it was just so funny, not even what they said, but then the way in which they ended the conversation where they were like, oh, you know, thanks so much for the work you're doing. I love the game. And then just flew off. Oh so literally just imagine the fox like getting out of the in front of the, the little microphone, like just boom, just flying away through the Sitting air. Around. Is that, that's somebody flying around with the space navigator, huh? Who is that? Um, Marcus, yeah. Is that Marcus? That's great. Give you a nice demonstration of a space navigator in action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've so got the PR up to fix the uh, changes. Just boom, just flying away through the so air. This guy, and the next person doing? Came. Like wearing like an Oculus, what's, what's it called? So everybody either has on an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vive, which allows you to do mostly full body. Uh, so when you play tracking. those games, like I've n I don't have any experience. Like how mm -hmm. do you walk around? So it, with an Oculus, you can actually set it up in a room that's a certain amount and you'll just, you're confined to that room, but you can walk around in there, you can sit down and it tracks you and your hands and wow. usually part of your body throughout the entire experience. Fly, there would just be like a button that's like the fly button. Exactly. There would be a fly button and then you sort of control where it goes. Then I, I think I saw another one that it was like a trackball. You're like standing on a ball and you could like walk around on it like a treadmill. Oh, there's one that's a treadmill that will go any way you go. That's yeah. that's sort of coming in the future. But right now people just kind of walk around their houses. But it was just so funny to see this fox standing there talking to the CEO of High Fidelity saying, you know, okay, yeah, we'd be happy to have that feature and then just fly away. And it just made me think about like in the future, all of the ridiculous outfits that people will be wearing and the funny interactions that will happen because of these virtual worlds. That's so crazy. I just so thought it was funny. We're, it's not going to be too far off that we're going to have like virtual conferences, virtual oh, yeah. colleges, virtual. And that's even, you know, beyond being this social VR experience where you can go have costume contests and all kinds of stuff within high fidelity. That's what Cost costume contest. Yeah. They had a costume contest. We can create a macho ES man. Oh, you totally could. You all could make right. that in high fidelity, but they're targeting How much people. How that cost me? 
oh, you know, I'll talk to my people. <laughs> but High Fidelity is targeting that market of doing conferences in VR, of doing webinars in VR, of doing staff training in VR, so that they are going a little bit beyond gaming, but mostly focused on virtual reality. So Dan, Dan gave some updates on, on the wallet and Rex. You want to cover that one, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. So Dan hopped in Telegram, and for those of you that aren't familiar, Rex is basically this new token leasing platform. We talked about it last week, so if you want to hear about the Rex, go to episode 30. Yeah, Give check a pretty good out. explanation of it, but it's basically a, a way for token holders to earn revenue through, through leasing tokens. Yeah. Um, I, I asked you for the update. I'll, I'll stop now and let you continue. Yeah, so Dan came out and said, Block One has developed the Rex, developed past tense, meaning, you know, it should be done. Makes sense since he was saying they were putting the final touches on it earlier. I think that was last week. Um, and then he also says, our wallet software is coming soon, which is that hardware wallet iPhone. Uh, he goes on to say, you can have it fast, cheap, or high quality. Pick two. And he's saying they, it, they've chosen to build a high quality app that's also going to be cheap, in this case, for EOS accounts. So it's taking longer. But he's also saying, you know, they've been putting out weekly patch updates, major performance updates to EOSIO, like the, the 2X and then another 2X and another 2X of EOS CPU performance. Um, and goes on to say exciting things like we should have multi-threaded signature verification next release, which will put us at next week. I think the gist of what he was saying was hold your pants on. Oh yeah. Stop complaining. We're working. We're not. Yep. We're not sitting on our hands doing nothing. And anyone who thinks otherwise isn't paying attention, and they're definitely not watching the show. A hundred percent. The other piece was performance improvements. So that there's constantly being uh, performance improvements to the blockchain. Every month they do a major update, and it, it seems like every week there is a small update. Every too. week there is, yeah. Weekly updates to EOS. So we, we, all, we, we hear a lot of complaints and discussion and solutions around computational resources and RAM and all, all the fun stuff like that. And one of the solutions that a lot of people point to are side chains and sister chains as a possible solution to that. And Aurora EOS, who's a, a recently uh, launched block producer uh, from with employees uh, out of Multicoin Capital, uh, they put out a really interesting tweet. Was that yesterday or the day before? It looks uh, like it was the day before. The day before. You kind of want to walk through it because I was real busy that day and you participated. Yeah, in so it. they came out with a, a great thread and said, let's talk about EOS sidechains and sister chains. EOS will scale in, in two primary ways. One, by optimizing the individual chains to have more throughput and capacity. That's things like multi-threading, things like the updates that we've seen over the past few weeks that fix CPU issues. And then number two, by having many different chains that can run in parallel, but also communicate with one another. They go on to define, you know, side chains are basically EOS blockchains that use the no, main I, net. I like that how they kind of distinguish between the side. I yeah. think there's a lot of confusion well, I think there. When people hear sister chain, they go, oh, what's that? Maybe it, it works with the main chain. A sister chain is a fork. Mm -hmm. Very, very simply put, it's a fork. It's a totally separate blockchain. It can't communicate. Whereas a side chain is strategically linked back to the EOS mainnet and actually uses the EOS mainnet token for resource delegation. So to transact on the side chain, you still need EOS mainnet tokens. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll read the next one. So the important thing for both of these is that using the upcoming inner blockchain communication software that's being developed by both block one and a number of BPs, after that happens, all of these chains will be able to communicate and interoperate. So yep. like what they said is, we know Block One's working on it. We know Warbly's working on it. Uh, is Talos working on it? Do you know? I don't. I actually don't think Warbly or Talos are working on it. I think they're just waiting for Block One to release IBC. I'm. I'm I, I think. I, I'm pretty sure Warbly. I've seen it, but I don't know about the other ones. I'll just okay. Uh, that's leave fair. That. I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Yeah. But I, I do want to kind of. Uh, the. I mean, this points out one of the the interesting predictions I've made on this this show, which is that I think over time all of these forks, these sister chains, will eventually become side chains. So things like Telos, if they want to survive in the long term, in my opinion, they're going to end up linking to the main net, have sort of a separate 
you know, slightly different governance model in their little corner of the ecosystem. Um, and then their people can still use the main EOS mainnet as well. So it should be pretty cool. So the reason some of, so he goes on to explain that the reason some of these chains split off into being sister chains instead of side chains is because they need some major governance changes or resource allocation changes that wouldn't be possible in the main net. Right. So one example of that is uh, with, with Warbly, they, they need a, a KYC provider to KYC all of their active participants on their network uh, because they're going to be integrated with financial services like banks. Right. So that's a requirement of their particular chain, but it's something that most people on the EOS mainnet would never vote for if a, if a referendum was available for that. And then another one is like Talos, where they're, they're trying to be very developer friendly and they're giving away a lot of resource and computation and free accounts. So it's more or less lowering the barrier of entry for, for developers to get involved. Right. So they all have their specific purposes. And I think Wax was the original fork. Right. And I, I forget what their reason for forking was, but they basically they said, said they there loved was... the software, but there were things that they couldn't do. Yeah, that was exactly right. There was like something they said. producers already or something on their current. I think so, yeah. They'll, they'll likely end up being, you know, right now they're a fork, but in the future they'll likely just be a side chain and sort of link in, even though they still have their own resource, you know, model with their own token, which is kind of interesting. And I tweeted at uh, CZ at Binance saying, I know you're building your decentralized exchange <laughs> on your own thing, but you could actually make it an EO side chain, use the BNB token for resource allocation, and you're going to benefit uh, not only in users, but also just in that added network effect. And so. that'd be, if BNB has a, a utility for resource allocation on top of the utilities it already has. Yeah. That would be an awesome token. Like BNB. Oh, yeah. One, and then you link it to the EOS mainnet so people can seamlessly take their wallets that are already there in the mainnet, use that exchange. I mean, it would be so simple, and Binance would get so many users and really win over the EOS community because of One it. of the problems with utility tokens that I've seen over the last year is that if you can't explain it to someone who doesn't know blockchain, then it's probably too complicated for Absolutely. It, it to actually work. And that's, that's one of the reasons I like EOS. What does EOS give you? It gives you every one token, and this is off because of some inflation, but one token is one one billionth of the entire network's computation. So that makes sense to me. I could probably explain that to someone and they understand, okay, you've got one billionth of the resources. Right. That, that does more. I, I could go into the voting. But that's, that's why I like the BNB token, because it has a clear utility. So it gives you a discount on transaction fees. You can pay transaction fees on an exchange for a discount. And it also gives you a discount into investing into, I think, blockchain startup projects, too. Interesting. So it has utilities. It gives you discounts. It's like a membership discount, which I think is really cool. Um, but side chains. Yeah. So we, next, he gets into side chains. So we, we can rattle off a bunch of examples of sister chains because up until this point, that's all we've seen is sister chains. We yeah. have yet to see. Well, and the reason why is chain. because people are waiting for IBC to come out. So even though Warbly is saying they're a sister chain, they really will convert as part of their plan as long as they follow through into that side chain, which I think is crucial for them to really get that network effect of the ES network as well. Um, but that's why we haven't seen any side chains yet, is the tech is not yet released, but is being worked on, and, and hopefully we'll see it soon. Uh, so what's interesting about splitting up resource delegation between you know a sister chain and a mainnet is that if you have a side chain and has its own token, you can figure out your own way to have your own block producers. You can mm -hmm. you know pay them in that token in the same way the EOS network pays block producers like Cypherglass uh, for producing blocks and for being a standby block producer. But when it comes to incentivizing block producers to actually you know make blocks on a side chain that still uses the main EOS token, uh, it's a little bit trickier. And I think it's going to be interesting to see some models come out of it. You know, in this thread, people start talking, you know, hey, how are we going to 
uh, offer block producers the opportunity? How are we going to incentivize them to actually produce blocks on a sidechain that doesn't have their own token for resource allocation? And the way it could be as some kind of a profit sharing for a dApp. So if a big gaming dApp comes out, let's say High Fidelity finally launches on the mainnet, they come out, they say, hey, we need 100 block producers to run our sidechain. If you, as one of the EOS mainnet block producers, participate, we'll give you X percent of the revenue that we make from that. So I love the revenue models we've seen so far on EOS. Yeah. I mean, you, you're. Why don't you explain how you love talking about the dice token? You gotta. You yeah. Gotta, you gotta <laughs> disclose. Rob owns some of these tokens. I have some right. just from playing the game a few times. Yeah. It's like it's some dust. Yeah. So we both hold dice tokens. Um, I but dust. Let me just say. Okay. That's I'm not an addict here. <laughs> but it's 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 worked so well because. The DICE token entitles you to 50% of the profit that comes out of the platform. So if they do a million EOS in volume in a day, right now they're doing several million EOS a day, but that million EOS will be something like 6,500 EOS in profit that will be distributed to the token holders. So now, I, I, I was talking about how they actually draw the revenue, so they use a fee. What, what you're saying is oh, really oh, cool too, right, but right, 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 it's right. a revenue model. So in the past, we, we saw a lot of ICOs raise money where they're raising millions of dollars up front, right. and that's meant to fund development for years to come. Whereas this new business model that's emerging and like the EOS dice and the bet dice mm -hmm. are, are the two first ones I've seen is where they have a service that people actually want to use. In this case, it's an online casino or a right. dice game. And every time you wager, if I wager one EOS token, then what would it be? 0 0.02 EOS would uh, go to the developers. It's about 2%. Something like that. Yeah. So a percentage of every transaction would go to the developers. Or, or into a pool of funds, I should right. say. One point, I think it's 1.6% of it goes into a pool of funds, and then half of that goes to the token holders as profit, 40% of that is to the team, and the other 10% is to a cost pool to like pay for promotions. And stuff so like I think that. what Aurora and other people involved in this conversation we're, we're, we're talking about is take the example of BetDice. So they have this large user base and this high volume transactions where they're, mm -hmm. they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in EOS per day. Yeah. And then that's all that's all put into a pool. And then once it's into that pool, it gets redistributed amongst the development team and the token holders. Yeah. So all he, all they're suggesting and all we, we think that would be necessary is an, add another uh, stakeholder to that group. And that would be the supporting block producers. Yeah, absolutely. And then they're basically being funded. So they're incentivized. The DAP doesn't have to worry about running out of CPU like they have yeah. been in the past few weeks. Oh, I could totally see. I mean, if you look at you know, the 10% of BetDice's revenue that goes to cost. That's oh, for, lights again. Oh, that's well. right. That's for marketing promotions. That's for the different EOS giveaways they do on their website. But they definitely have enough EOS in there, at least right now, to also go out and pay block producers with that 10% of cost. So and that would prevent, so over the last couple of weeks, they keep hitting the transaction limit and yeah. then an update comes out and we don't hit the limit again. Yep. And then it seems like they push the limit again. Yeah, it seems like BetDice is just really pushing EOS to its limits, which is one of the reasons why I like it so much because it's it's pushing the chain literally to capacity. So then we can go in, make a little change, bump it up, fix it. And, and it's been awesome to see it sort of uh, force EOS to improve. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty... All these new game ideas. So uh, we haven't really talked about on the show, but Pixel Masters yeah. was, was really cool too. And that was an incentive model. I... I keep getting asked to talk about it, and every time I want to talk about it, it, I think it's old news again. But it's new news again because the game finally ended. There was like a jackpot at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's about all I know I haven't played. Uh, but the way that would work would be on, on this game, you, you buy land. So there's like a million, how many pixels? Like a million? Of, I think there were a million, like, like a, a million thousand by thousand. pixels, and they're really cheap at first. So if I want to fill a pixel with a keller, I would pay X amount of EOS. Mm -hmm. And then if Rob wanted to paint over my pixel, he would have to pay slightly above what the, the person before him paid. Right. So then the person before him, i.e. me, 
I would get back all of my money I invested into that pixel and it would come from Rob mm -hmm. and I would make some profit uh, from the whatever above and beyond Rob contributed towards that purchase. So right. if I paid one EOS and then Rob came in and paid two EOS, I might get my one EOS back and then half an EOS profit. And it's not that much of a profit, I don't think, but I'm just using this as an example. Right. But then in perpetuity, as the game continues on and more and more people play, even the players who bought the original pixels were in some sort of profit distribution on that. Oh, wow, really? So th that's why this game huh. had such a network effect. I never got involved because yeah, I didn't mean, either. it was really kind of like a Ponzi that everyone knew is a Ponzi and agrees that it's a Ponzi. <laughs> it's kind of gambling. Like, right. you, you play a slot machine, you're not, you, you know you're going to eventually lose. Mm -hmm. And in this game, it's basically like if you own all these pixels when the game ends, you don't get someone else buying it and giving you profit. Right, you from basically what I lose. But the game ended recently, and I think when it ends, it just restarts again with a blank canvas. Oh, really? Wow. So I, I think I owe it to the Pixel Masters to actually give a better explanation maybe another time. Yeah. But th but that's that's my version from someone who hasn't played, uh, just because I'm just really not into these gambling games. I I, I play dice just because for the proof of concept yeah. and to see the speed of the blockchain. But I'm, I'm just not a big gambler personally. Same, yeah. I don't endorse gambling. Don't think anybody should go out and gamble. But I think that it's pretty cool to see them really push the EOS uh, network forward. Speaking of which, though, so we mentioned DICE. And since we're recording this the day before it's actually coming out, ICOLA, we actually made a really cool Bet Dice commercial. Really? At some point, it's going to play. Uh, probably <laughs> at the beginning of this, maybe at the end of it, I don't know. But you guys will see this really cool Bet Dice commercial. All right, crypto fans, now is your chance to get in on one of the hottest EOS blockchain games around. With Bet Dice, you can select your appetite for risk and roll like a star. No more waiting around for slow and clunky transactions on those out-of-date blockchains. A quick link to your scatter and you'll be playing in no time. Don't miss out on the ever-growing lottery pots, where you'll automatically earn tickets just for playing. With Bet Dice on EOS, you'll find yourself playing again and again and again. Oh, and one more thing. The lucky draw gives you a chance to win huge jackpots up to 10 times a day. You're one click away from becoming a crypto winner. Head on over to betdice.one to begin playing now. That's great. I, had, did, I was not involved. No, just, Rob, you know. Rob, has, Rob is not an employee of ICO Alert. Yeah. All, Rob's only affiliation at this point with ICO Alert is this podcast with me. Yep. Uh, we did it because it's network effect. These games, so on top of them having these incentive models to pay... The participants because if you play the games you earn tokens you can invest you could be an investor like rob and buy tokens and then these tokens or distribution models could be used to pay block producers mm -hmm. to produce blocks on a side chain for them in addition to all of that they have amazing referral programs yeah and pixel master had a great referral program also yeah where basically it incentivizes you to get other people to play it's nothing new Definitely. it's just on a blockchain it, it, it's trustless that's part of the reason why i think these things have gained so much traction and if we look even where this will go in the future i can imagine block one social media platform having some built-in referral also that people will kind of use as another stream of income so it should be pretty crazy yeah i mean didn't uh whenever we were talking about peter Thiel, wasn't wasn't that uh how, how they incentivize people is with a referral program. Yeah, so when you join, so you join PayPal, invite, you made 10 bucks. I can invite Rob to join PayPal for free. It would cost him nothing, and there would be $10 waiting for him when he got there. Yeah. And then the user who invited him also got $10. 
I wonder if they'll do something like that with when Block One comes up with that hardware wallet that Dan says they're they're finishing up. Maybe in addition to giving you a free account, they'll also give you like one free EOS or something. Who knows? One free EOS. I don't know. Maybe uh, not. Maybe, one, maybe if it's maybe if it's uh, still your five dollars. <laughs> How are you feeling about that bet, Rob? I think every week people ask about every it. Every week you people ask it. it. The answer is the same. You know, we'll see what happens December thirty first, twenty eighteen. We'll see what happens. We'll see. It's we, not we, over we, yet. We're gonna get Q on and everything. Yeah, sometime too. Definitely. But I think uh, we should probably wrap it up there. A lot of exciting things coming. Whether the the hackathon ends up being gaming themed or not, um, it still should should be an awesome time. But uh, it's been another great episode. Thank you so much for spending Halloween with us. Happy Halloween to you all and get out there and enjoy the day. Just so everyone knows, this is our episode for this week. Do not expect one on Friday. Yep. We have a lot of stuff. Uh, at least I have a lot of stuff I got to get done before the hackathon. Uh, next week's schedule, I'll probably put something short out. We'll have plenty of content over the weekend. Oh, yeah. But if you, if you guys don't hear from us on Friday, we're sorry. We're just really busy. We'll be traveling in, in San Francisco. But there will be plenty of content following that. So oh, yeah. close this off with Happy Hollow EOS, everybody. Once again, I'm the Macho EOS Man. I am Astronaut Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS. Hollow EOS.